Welcome to Connected, a Christian podcast for young people in Gloucestershire and beyond. Welcome to Connected and this time we are joined by a guest to have a chat with us um, and our guest this time is uh, Baroness Sherlock so uh, thank you very much for joining us and for being with us um, so first of all what on earth is a Baroness? <laughs> well some people get to be Barons or Baronesses because they're posh because they chose their parents very carefully and uh, they were descended then from people who also had titles. Um, most of the rest of us are like me. It's simply a title that's given to somebody who is a member of the House of Lords and the House of Lords is the second chamber of our Parliament. We have two houses, the House of Commons which is where all the MPs sit and the House of Lords where um, all the Barons, Baronesses and the like sit and I'm one of those. And that's the one with the red chairs, isn't it, for anyone who's seen it on the TV, that the MPs are in the, the, the green chairs and you're in the red chairs. Is that right? That's so right. When I got, I've got a really bad sense of direction, so I used to get so lost. <laughs> so I eventually I'd say, could someone please send me back to red carpet or red chairs? Because if the carpet's red and the furniture's red, I'm in the right place. If it's green, I've got lost again. <laughs> so, so how did you get to become a Baroness? Yeah, well, the way you get into the House of Lords is you, you are basically appointed by the monarch, the king or the queen, um, on the recommendation of the prime minister. I was appointed um, on the recommendation of Gordon Brown when he was Prime Minister um, and he is because some years earlier I had worked for him. I spent most of my career working for charities and I've been working for um, a charity working with single parents when back when Gordon was the Chancellor so he was in charge of the money and he was very worried about how many um, we had how many children in single parent families were growing up poor and so he used to invite people like me or academics or people who say come in what do you think we ought to to be doing and after three years of me pretty much going do you want to do this 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 he more or less said I mean I paraphrase but he more or less said you think you're that clever come and work for me so I went to work for him as a special advisor um, advising on policy and then left and went some years later went back to charities and when he uh, was prime minister later on he asked me to go into the house of lords and carry on the works I've been working with him on things like oh, your policy benefits for families um, work sure start which is like a project for helping kids to, to grow up well in, in the early years years and so now I'm in the House of Lords and I'm um, the Labour spokesperson on um, anything to do with the Department for Work and Pensions which is basically social security um, work and pensions and anything to do with money but basically I mostly do things for poorer families that's mostly what I do. Wow and when um, when did the calling come or when did you decide that you wanted to be ordained or you felt that that was the direction that you were heading in? I um I was somebody who um, I wasn't a churchgoer or anything like that when I was working for Gordon or for most of my life until I was kind of middle aged really and um and then I I got a desire to go into a church and um, basically I ended up doing an alpha course and came to faith um, and then fairly early on I sort of felt I had a sense of calling to ordination but for myself I didn't really know what vicars did <laughs> and, um, and I wasn't sure I was called to do that um, and. Um, and then I got the call just as I was off. I was going off on retreat, reading to something. I basically said to God, look, I'm going to go away and retreat for a week at Easter. And if you want me to do this, you're going to have to make it really clear. Otherwise, I'm going to go and, you know, I'm going to go off and do something else. Anyway, before I even got to my retreat, I got a message saying that Gordon wanted me to go into the House of Lords. And so I thought, well, OK, at least I've got to be a vicar. That's good. That's the <laughs> result. So, um, 
so then I thought it would go away and then they wouldn't go away. And then eventually I realised, oh, I was learnt that you didn't have to be just a vicar, that you could be, to be ordained. There were lots of other things you could do if you were ordained. So now I'm, so now I'm both a priest and a baroness and, um, and I get to do, I'm, I'm a part of my church in Durham, but also I get to do things down in London. So I get to, you know, to I'm, I'm a ta- do some stuff with the Westminster Abbey and with, with, um, with, you know, with working with Christians in Parliament as well. And it's just, that's great. Um, so are there a lot of Christians in and around kind of Parliament as MPs and in the House of Lords and stuff? Yeah, actually, there are loads. I didn't know when I came in. I was just like, just just me. But uh, so unsurprisingly, it wasn't just me. <laughs> there were loads of us, yeah. So there's like a, a group called Christians in Parliament, not very imaginatively, I grant you, um, which is made up of, um, of MPs and peers who are small parties. And we do lots of stuff together. So we, we, we organise um, everything, talks, um, worship services, um, events, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And it's and it's brilliant. And the, uh, the probably the biggest thing we do is once a year, there's a national parliamentary prayer breakfast in which about like 700 MPs and peers and church leaders all get together in parliament and and we have a speaker and we have a worship band and you know and it's just and it's brilliant and we pray for parliament and you know and MPs and, and and peers get to meet church leaders and they get to talk about their areas and and it's brilliant it's a really powerful time and do you feel that your your kind of faith is something that people recognize and respect and understand within you know, kind of gov- uh, politics, or is it something that is slightly people are uh, slightly, you know, kind of nervous or concerned about? It's inter- I think it's interesting. When I first got ordained, I mean, I, I I didn't know how people would react, and actually, it's been totally brilliant. So when pe- and whenever people see me, my dog collar, there's just that pe- they just love it. Even people who don't do church, there's something they just seem to respond to really positively. And I have found that people will talk to you and tell you stuff, which is just really a privilege, you know. So I was just thinking about that. What you said actually. So your experience so far um has been really positive and i was like barry and i were talking about it a little bit earlier about how actually that could be the other way you know people could look at you and say uh well i've read the bible and the bible says this and your policy says this and you could you could almost see it as a negative so it's it's really interesting and encouraging to hear that actually people are receptive in a good in a good way um so that's encouraging to i think to young people because sometimes even as a young person and and as a adults and I'm sure we've all been in those situations we can feel nervous about you know saying that we're Christians or being open about our faith but actually um yeah to have the confidence in who you are and who God's made you to be and where he wants you to be uh, often actually the the whole perception that people won't receive you well is often in our own minds so actually that's really encouraging it's really encouraging to hear I, Amy, I think that's a really important point. It's, I mean, often I think we, I think if we're nervous about about our faith, we 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 send that message out, even if we don't say it in words. You know, if we look like we're we're not really we're, we're ashamed of it, or we're just we're, we're nervous about saying but saying being who we are, then why should other people receive it positively? Whereas my my experience is, I mean, I have I mean, a lot of my colleagues who don't have anything to do with church or God. I mean, who nonetheless really they they they, they like the fact that I do it. I mean, you know, and they respect yeah. it. I mean, I'm sure there are some who don't, but they basically don't say anything, so that's fine. Yeah. And I, I don't mind if they think it. Even if they did it, that's kind of okay as well. I don't mind it, you know. And also, I have colleagues from from different faiths, and we all really respect each other. I mean, you know, I'm 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 absolutely Christian, and I'm 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 proud to be a Christian. Um, but it's you know, I think our the 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 values that that you know we have as Christians are ones that I think people can relate to, even if they don't relate to the source of them. 
and really the challenge for us is just to try to make sure um, and I, I mess this up sometimes we all do but just try to make sure if people know you're a Christian you know I mean I, mean, I used to worry when I started driving that you know because I'm not always a very good driver and people put like a fish on the back of their car yeah. and I'm something like, oh if I put a fish people are going to go oh those Christians are terrible like, I mean and so so basically and I feel like I've got a great big invisible fish like tattooed on my on my head because like everybody knows I'm you know I'm a Christian and, and, and not even like a professional Christian she's even ordained so so every time I'm if I'm, I'm now like I, you know I don't I mean, so I say something and I thought you know what all they're going to learn is that it means Christians are people and, yeah. and you know if I do mess up I try and say sorry and I try and accept that I made mistakes try and say sorry to people and just think well and that's okay because I'm not trying to send a message out that Christians are perfect of all the people we know we're so not perfect fortunately mm. we know it's not all down to us you know I mean that God is perfect and so as long as you know that that's what we're forgiven aren't we we're people loved forgiven redeemed and you know that's the message absolutely i love that yeah absolutely <laughs> i was just thinking about the you know talking about lords and and faith and stuff and obviously that there, there are bishops that sit in the house of lords okay. and i wonder what your understandings of people's perceptions of the bishops um because there are some people that sort of think oh the you know why are bishops in the lords they, they haven't got a place there do you does that come across actually in the, the kind of day-to-day -day working of the lords are they well well received and well accepted I, I think, I mean, certainly in the Lords, I think they're such an established part of this that they're just members of a house like the rest of us. Um, mm. You know, so it, I mean, and the, in a sense, the House of Lords is a funny thing, really, because it is odd to have bishops in the House of Lords, but everything about the House of Lords is odd. A lot of what we had has evolved over time. Mm. And so the, house, the reason the bishops are in the House of Lords is originally um, there, were, there were abbots and abbesses in the House of Lords because they were landowners and originally it was people coming together. And they've ended up staying there because we have an established church in other words we have like an official church of, of in the church of england in in england and they've ended up staying there and but it's quite i'm also one of so so there's people in the house of lords who do all kinds of different things it's like the house of commons all represent a geographical constituency but the first time i went to a debate in the house of lords it was on something to do with criminal justice and i remember listening to the speeches and there was somebody who'd been a minister in the commons in charge of of you know home affairs and all kinds of justice stuff um there was a bishop who talked about what prison chaplains do um there was there were there, were, there was a retired judge who used to actually judge people when they came before him charged with crimes there was somebody who was a barrister who defends people who are being charged there wow. was somebody who had was talking who worked with uh, had worked with a trade union that represented prison office staff and then somebody else who was a patron of a charity that worked with ex-offenders and somebody who worked with victims and i suddenly thought you know you've got here what you have in the house of lords is just very different you've got all these like kind of overlapping you know perspectives of the of the mm. topic and it just means you get a really quite a rich picture quite a different sort of image of the story the only other thing to say people may not know about the house of lords but if you make any laws they have to go through both the house of commons and the house of lords but because the house of commons are elected by voters in the end they always win so we we will amend we're basically like a revising chamber we we look at legislation we try to make it better we say to the commons did you really mean to do this are you really sure you want to do this? And in the end, if they insist, they get their way. So I will let bills go through. I really don't agree with like pieces of legislation mm. because in the end, if the commons are elected, they get their way. So so in, in that way, we're not like in America, they have a Senate, which is a really powerful different upper house compared to the House of Representatives. We're more a kind of revising place, which mm. tries to make legislation better and just brings a different perspective onto it. How do you see your faith impacting that? Does it... Does it impact the things that you think and believe about or the things that you prioritise or the way that you do things? How does being a Christian kind of shape your life as a as a member of the house? 
if you're a Christian, of course, your faith affects everything because, you know, I mean, Jesus is Lord of all or is Lord of nothing. You know, and, and so mm-hmm. if Jesus is in charge of the whole world, then he cares about everything. You know, he cares about what happens to everybody. He cares what happens to all of us. And if Jesus cares, then we care. And so, you know, there's nothing, nothing I do isn't grounded in that. Um, and I do what I do because I think it's a calling. I mean, I feel this is my vocation for now. I mean, maybe that may change. But for now, this is what I feel I'm called to do. And so, and I do try to think through, you know, I mean, my, so I try, my, so I, I'm a member of a political party because really all parties are coalitions. I mean, you know, so inevitably I don't, you, I mean, sometimes people say to me, how can you as a Christian, can you be a member of a party when you don't agree with everything? Yeah. And I said, well, actually, I mean, I, in the end, I've got two choices. Either I create my own party, you know, like the Maeve party, where I get to make up all the policies <laughs> and hold all the positions and I will agree with everything, but I won't get very far because it's like just me. Or else I have to band together with other people and, you know, and accept that in that we're all going to have to compromise, that they, that they won't agree with some things I think and I won't agree with some things they think. But if there's enough of us get together, then we can make maybe try to change the world to make it a better place and that's what I do so all parties in that case are kind of like coalitions they're groupings of people who've all accepted they have to compromise and I kind of think we compromise you know if you get married you compromise I mean if you make friends you compromise you know you have to so there's life is involved the key thing is to know what really matters that you can't compromise on and, and what you are willing to compromise on and, and for all of us there'll be some things you just couldn't and that, and I guess you just have to you'd have to walk away at that point but that hasn't happened to me and I'm always on the lookout to make sure you don't get sucked in you know but that's never that hasn't happened to me um so a lot of what I do is trying to think through that and talk to other Christians I mean I have you know I pray regularly with a, a conservative and a liberal democrat here you know I mean and and they they and so you know I look at them and I think oh well you know these I know these are you know these are women who love God you know who have prayerfully come to a different position from me yeah. obviously I think they're wrong clearly I think I'm right and um, obviously <laughs> I think Jesus and I had think one thing and you know and, um, I don't really obviously I realize that they, they're right but you know I and mean, that's I pray they come to th- see things the way that God and I see them but um they, they, they probably pray the same thing that I will come to see things the way that they see them and, and God sees them so but yeah. you know we, we all we can do is you do your best you know you try to work out what you think is right you read your bible you pray you think things through you look at what people have gone before us have thought mm. you know the christian traditions we've had two thousand years of people having to think three these things through there's nothing new you know they're just yeah. new issues but the principles aren't new they don't change mm. yeah and i like that concept when you said earlier about how sometimes when you revise um things and then they go back to the house of commons and it still goes through even if you might not agree with it and actually there is that element isn't there of having to release things to god we are not in control you know god shapes us and that therefore shapes the work that we do but ultimately it's in his hands and like you said we prayerfully give it to him so uh, yeah i just really liked that whole concept when you even said that we've got to release it sometimes you know you've done your bit that god's put you in that position you've done your bit but actually then it has to be released and ultimately we're not called to be successful we're called to be faithful absolutely I mean, so you know I mean, and now that doesn't mean to say success whatever how you define it won't come but actually yeah. that's not a reason not to do stuff do you know what i mean and there's times when i get up and sometimes I'm, I'm pushing things and i know that i'm getting i'm going to get absolutely nowhere not even in my in our house but i thought sometimes you just have to bear witness to stuff sometimes you just have yeah. to stop and say this is happening i don't think it's okay do you know what I mean? or yeah. this is what's happening this is what's happening in people's lives they're really struggling in this way i think you need to hear that even if you're yeah. not going to do anything about it i mean sometimes and that's okay too do you know what i mean that's Absolutely. And also, I think change doesn't happen necessarily overnight. I mean, you know, it's mm. it's one of the things 
for me when I became a Christian. You know, I, I was always interested in kind of in politics and trying to make the world a better place. But I think I thought I had to save the world. And then I became a Christian. I thought, maybe somebody got there before me. Yeah, I mean, maybe Jesus has got that bit covered on it. You know, it's not actually down to me to save the world. But, but what it is down to me is to try to, you know, to, to take those things, those, those Christian values and try to make them a reality as far as I can in our time. And in doing that, you know, and it's never going to be perfect until, you know, until the end of time and the, the God's kingdom comes, you know, and, but we can, what we do, I think helps to point to that kingdom and to show, you know, to try and take those kingdom values and show them in our time, you know, to, that the, 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 also to show that God cares for everybody, you know, God, God cares for the poor and the marginalized and the people that nobody listens to, the people who think that they're invisible or that they never get to, to be heard. I think a lot of young people feel their voices aren't heard, mm-hmm. but actually that, you know, but God, part of what we do in politics is to try to say, actually, we're here to try to speak up for those who don't normally get heard and get listened to. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. On that, um, if if there are young people that are, would be listening or might listen to this podcast, and and they have an interest in politics, but they don't really know, you know, how how do they forge themselves into the right path to, you know, to, to perhaps one day be who you are or be them in your position? Um, what, how would you give advice to somebody that might be interested in politics or wanting to get involved? I think the first thing to say is all politics is, is about the way we organise the world. So people think politics is something special. It's not. Politics is about, like some people say, I'm not interested in politics. And that really, because politics is about how schools are run. It's about yeah. the health service. It's about whether the roads are safe to go walk down on your own at night. It's about, you know, it's about all, all that kind of stuff. It's about whether we're safe as a country. It's about do we help people who are poor here or overseas? All, all that is about is about the stuff we do together, do you know, about how we're organised. So if you're interested, the first thing is to think, what is other things that God's putting on your heart? You know, so firstly, I would encourage young people to, to either to listen or watch or read the news and try to read it from different places maybe try to look at um, the television news not just to look at what you see on social media because sometimes what you see doesn't tell you everything you need to know um, but just to find out what's going on and just find other bits that some things that you do you suddenly find you think I'm really worried about this am I worried I'm worried about what's happening in you know Ukraine I'm worried about what's happening to people being bullied I mean I'm worried about what's happening to people whose mental health is difficult or whatever it is just are there some issues there that you want to do and I would then go and look for who else is doing something about that mm. um, and so for me I mean I ended up um, when I was a student I was a student in Liverpool um, in the in the 1980s which was like a hundred years ago and um, okay not really but it just feels like I'm just years but um but at the time it, that Liverpool was people were really struggling the economy was in trouble more like it is now lots of people didn't have a job people were really struggling and yet at the same time in London there were people who were making huge amounts of money in the city of London financial district and the people in Liverpool a lot of them felt that just nobody was paying any attention so I joined the Labour Party because I thought okay this is not something I can solve on my own this is something that can only be solved by lots of people getting together and trying to change the priorities so I joined a political party so the other thing they could do is join a political party um, or alternatively think about joining a single issue campaign if there's one particular issue you're interested in yeah. find out who's campaigning on that nearby um, or talk to other people in your church I mean you know a lot of people in church sometimes they think they can't bring their politics into church but you know so not true i mean it's you know it's if we don't because basically if we don't believe that 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 god cares about these people then well then why are we going to church i mean you know so if there are things that are wrong with the world then god cares about them and so and so should we 
So I, you know, there's a really, I mean, so for example, like, yeah, I'm sure many, many churches are doing things, for example, maybe running a food bank or helping people. But there's a really good, there's a guy who was a bishop in South America who used to help the poor in difficult times. And he said, you know, when I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why the poor have no food, they call me a communist. Mm. Yeah. And yet, if you think about it, I mean, it's really good to help people come to food banks. But one of the questions to ask is why are there people who are doing jobs, why who can't afford to feed their kids or having to go to food banks? Mm. And that, you know, that's and that's a political question. But it's a but it's it's a question. It's a pretty yeah. good question. You know, so one of the things we have to be saying is what would a world look like where people had enough money to feed their kids? I mean, you know, and as well as saying we also need to help people now who don't have enough money to feed their kids, you know, yeah. men or themselves. On on a previous podcast we were talking about calling and uh sharing that idea of that actually we're just called to to do the thing that's in front of us now. And I think there's quite a lot of pressure sometimes on young people to to think about, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up and what you're aspiring to and, you know, what are you called to do? And actually your experience was just dealing with that thing in front of you, that poverty in front of you and getting involved in that and then the next thing and then the next thing. And and at no point in those early days did you ever feel that that was going to end up where you are now, but it was all part of that that journey that you're on with God. Yeah. And I think it's true, Joan. I, I once did... Um was asked to do a talk in a college and the other person was just a, a, a really they sort of how did you get into this and he used to work um in a bank and you know and he thought and actually I'd rather I'd rather be working with you. so he looked at all the kind of jobs that were there and what would you have to learn to do it and he made a point of plan a plan and acquired all the skills and he got there and then they said to me what did you do and I went oh well you know I just kind of did the next thing and and then suddenly one thing led to another and but you know I then thought I mean if I could have had a plan how would I have written in a plan at some point Gordon Brown when he's prime minister will tap you on the shoulder and say you know either when he's tra- when he's chancellor will tap him to come along and talk to work for me or will ta- you know of course I wouldn't have had any this would have been mad so you know it's so a planning if you're a planning person planning is good but well I think it's not just about doing the thing this it's doing the thing in front of you to which you feel you're being called mm. and you know almost like I sometimes think god what matters most you know, I used to think when I was when I was you know coming to faith at first I think I somehow got an impression that there was a single path for me that was like buried and if I couldn't find it or if I missed a turning I'd be in big trouble and actually what I think is more like is that God is calling us towards things that are on his heart calling us to to follow our Christian values to show God's love to other people to love because we're loved first and there are different ways you can do that and I want to suspect God thinks they're probably all okay it's about what makes your heart sing or where do you feel that, you know, even if it, it doesn't mean that's always a happy experience, but something where you know that, you know, that because if, we, if we're if we're doing what God wants us to do, then then deeply that's the best possible place to be. You know, and, mm. you know, and we'll be most fulfilled, even if it's not what we think we want to do, because in the end, God's kind of got this nail better than we have, really. Yeah, definitely. Which is just as well, I think. Which is just as well. And a really good note to end off. On. Oh, thank you for your time. We know that you're busy, especially today. Honestly, politics is just so mad at the moment. But, um, but that's why we need good lots of Christians in politics. Lots God's yes. young people. We need God wants people out there. We make the world a better place. Come and come and join us. It might look mad from the outside. It's not like it is quite mad on the inside, but you really it's still good. You'll be amongst good company. Exactly. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right, guys. Bless you, mate. Uh, mate. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.
So that's it from Connected. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Hope you've enjoyed listening to our conversations. Do listen out for the next episode and keep connected with us through our Instagram at Connect Youth. We'll see you soon.